busy all week getting us um, signed up, getting us signed around, you know. And it's just been a real blessing. Um, everything that's going on and all the people helping, Fred and Tammy with the uh, with, um, internet back there or whatever you call that uh, presentation material that they do. It just doesn't happen by itself, friends. People have got to be doing it. So we praise God for all the things in the background. Amen? Did you get up in the air this week? You did. Andy got up in the air this week. Andy got down. Yay! Yeah. Got there and back. I love it. I love it. That's great. That's good. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. So we're glad. All the good things that are happening. Amen? Amen. And everything that's going on. Gosh, we've got to be thanking God. So Friday morning, Friday morning was really a fun morning. I had to go to the VA and be there at 8 o'clock in the morning. And, and you know, we, we meet for breakfast, don't we, Paul? We've met for breakfast for like 80,000 years. I'm not sure, but it's a long time. We meet at 8 o'clock every Friday morning. Am I right? I'm not lying, am I? So I'm at the VA at 8 o'clock. I leave at quarter after 8, and I say to myself, are you ready? I can make it to breakfast. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's only a half an hour. I'll be there. I should be there at 10 till, and those guys won't even be there yet. <laughs> Nothing has changed in my life. You know what I mean? That was a long time ago. The same thing would always happen. I would be an hour late. And say, oh, I'm right on time. I got there and I, I said, uh, did you guys order yet? Paul looked at me and he said, we've already ate, man. What are you talking about? And it took me forever to figure out that I was the only one going to be eating because it was, almost, it was 9 o'clock. Nothing's changed. We're sitting there talking. And all of a sudden, I think it was Jerry that said it, nobody likes change. You know, nobody likes change. And I gave him my typical my typical uh, uh, story about, no, there's nobody. I only know one person that likes change. I told him this. You, and you've heard it before. Don't you know who, who I'm talking about? Only one person I know likes, cha- doesn't, likes change, but they cry about it the whole time. Right? A wet baby. You know? They love change, but they're going to whine and cry until you do it, you know? I'm telling you... Easter, my friends, I want to share this with you. If you don't grab anything this morning, Easter is all about change. God would take the most terrible event to to happen in our history, our world, the death of his son, and turn it around and make it something really good. Really good. I mean, Easter has such a dynamic um, um, in in our history that even when we write checks, we're remembering that Christ died. It's the most important event of history that changed everything. Easter, I want you to understand that. Easter changed everything. Our sin and our shame. Our sin and our shame has been changed. It no longer ties us down. Are you grabbing hold of this? Listen to this. Easter changes everything because of God's love. You and I have been forgiven. Through Jesus' sacrifice, we can be made new. Talk about change. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you know. My goodness. Um, we come today and, and we rejoice because death has no sting in our lives anymore. We come 
to times like this, this Easter season, and we celebrate, celebrate because, um, because of Easter we've been redeemed, made right with God. Easter changes everything because it gives us hope for people who had no hope. It gives us a, a, a Savior that's not still in the grave that we have to go to some mountain and worship him. He's, he's not there, friends. Jesus, my goodness, Easter changes everything simply because he is alive. He is alive indeed. Okay, let me try that again. Easter changes everything because... You ready, David? Easter changes everything because Jesus is risen. He is... There you go. Praise God. I said to David, I said to David the other night, um, Friday night, I said, David, I need your help, buddy. At the very end, it's the he is risen part, you know, and I want you to, I want you to have your voice in there. Did you all hear it? Okay, good, good. I love it. It's a blessing. <laughs> Unmistakable. It's true. I love that voice. Um, Easter changes everything because um, lives are changed, can be changed, should be changed because of this day that we're together. Um, let's go to that first uh, scripture, Tammy. Look at this scripture here and what it says to us. Um, if when we were at our worst, when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God. How? By that sacrificial death of his son. That's what Easter does. It changes everything. But, but let me, before we get to that next scripture, let me share this with you. Easter isn't, literally, Easter isn't for everybody. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. I'm sorry. Easter isn't for everybody. Let me share it this way. If you're a religious person, Easter isn't for you. Uh-oh. You all with me? If you're a religious person, that's the last place that this Easter has anything to do. If you're here doing rituals and going through rituals, and many churches are doing that, many people around the world, no matter who you, who you are, what denomination you are, you're going through a ritual. That's not Easter. Jesus said, I came not for the religious. Uh-oh. He said, I come for the outsiders, the people that want to be, and he says it to us in John 13, he said, this is how people are going to know that you are followers of mine. They will know that you are disciples when, okay, you ready? When you don't go through all those rituals and you simply love the way I have loved you. Listen, listen to it. Let's look at that next verse in Luke. It goes like this. <laughs> Tammy, next scripture, honey. There you go. Thank you. Listen to what he says. This is Jesus talking. I'm here inviting outsiders. Outsiders, not insiders. He's not talking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the scribes, all the religious leaders. He's saying, you guys have blown it. I'm not here for you. He's look at this. I'm for the, I'm for the outsiders, the people that are really ridiculous that believe in God and trust in God, not in their rituals, not in their head, but in their heart. He says, I'm here not for the insiders. I'm inviting the outsiders. An invitation to, listen to this, a changed life. Changed life from the inside out. 
My friends, this is the word of God for all of his people. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this time that we've been able to worship you this morning and, and praise you and honor you for, for the empty, empty tomb, for the fact that you have risen. It's non-debatable, Lord. It's fact in history. We've come to worship you. Help us to worship you, not today, through a ritual. It's Easter Sunday, so we come to church. It's Easter Sunday, so we get online. It's Easter Sunday, so we do this and do that. And help us to come as that outsider that really trusts you, Lord. I pray that you'd open our hearts to you today through this music and through these, through these jelly beans, through your word spoken and read, through your servant who prays that his words are nothing more than your words. Bless this time, we pray, in Christ's holy name. And all of God's children said, Amen. Easter becomes then nothing more than God's invitation um, for each one of us to come into his presence and be changed. When I say Easter changes everything, I, I, I got to tell you, I wish I could explain it to you. Easter changes everything. If you're seeking hope, Easter does that for you. If, if you have lost heart over this past year with the pandemic and everything that's going on, not being able to be around your friends uh, Easter changes that. If you, if you have stopped your dreams because of everything that's going on, Easter, my friends, changes everything. If you think your past disqualifies you, many people think that they have done too many things wrong, Easter changes that. If you think um, your best days are gone, um, Easter changes that. Phil Sand and I were talking the other night about our best days and and um, I said, well, I hope I have some more left. Amen? Isn't that the truth? I hope we have some more left that are even better. Mm. Easter changes everything if you quit dreaming. Easter, Easter changes everything if you're tired and brokenhearted. It changes that. If you are hungry and thirsty, if you're lost, Jesus says Easter changes everything because I want to come and be a part of your life. The first question we need to ask ourselves, literally, is what do we want to change in our lives? <laughs> Most of us would say not too much. Not too much. Uh, every time I talk about change, I always think about Tiger Woods. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell you the story again. Um, if you haven't heard it, I think it was 1998, somewhere around there. I, I remember Phyllis Ann and I watched all this. But um, Tiger Woods in 1998 came onto the pro scene. And that year he won the Masters, big time. And he won, a, I think he won two or three other uh, major tournaments. That first year in his, his um, golf pro life, he made only a little over $2 million that year in winnings for the, the championships that he won. But he got $60 million uh, in um, endorsements. <laughs> $62 million. That's couple flights, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. $62 million his first year, his first year in pro golf. I don't know, Doug, I'm not quite that good.
the end of his first year, he looked at his coach and he says, I'm going to change my swing. I need your help. And the coach said, okay, but it'll take a lot of work. Can you imagine wanting to change a swing that would win you $62 million? But he thought he could do better. And so he took the next 19 months, won one tournament. You all remember all this going, probably, unless you're really into golf. Kim, would you, did you know this? Yeah. Um, he only won one tournament, tournament in the next 19 months because he was changing his swing. And then after that time, when he had his swing down, he played the next 14, 14 tournaments, I think it was, and he won 10 of them. And he won 10 of them. Took him 19 months to change his swing to win every time he got up there. Gosh. I don't know how much he's worth today, but it's a little bit more than $62 million, I'm sure. He wanted to do something like the rest of us want to do. He wanted to um, change because he knew he could do better. The problem of it is, as many of us do it just the way he did, he did everything from the outside. You get that? Because we know his life, we know his, his reputation and everything. He did everything from the outside to make it better, but he didn't do anything on the inside. That's not judgmental. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what everybody in the world knows what he did. I'm afraid that most Christians do the same thing. We do, we want to change, we want to get better, but it's always from the outside. I, I have this habit, I don't know if you know it, and I try to say it every time we gather together. I try to say, um, let's meet again next week on Sunday and see if we can't do this a little bit better. Amen? And at 10, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, almost every time I sign off, I say, let's be a light and let's try to do this tomorrow a little bit better. Now, we can do it a little bit better. There's always ways we can do things better. I can get the slides right so they don't have to fool around with them back there. And uh, there's things that we can physically do better that make the outside appearance do good. But when I say that to you, that's not what I'm talking about. When I say to you, let's meet together next week and worship God, let's try to do it a little bit better. My friends, I want to say to you right now, if you ever get complacent and say you're worshiping God the best way you know how, the only way you know how, the, uh, he should be ce- celebrating the fact that I'm here today, then you've messed up. You're the outsider. You're the outsider. W- when I say let's do it better, I'm not talking about outside pr- pictures of it. I'm talking about let us come and worship God a little bit better with our heart next week and really worship him and get to that point. I, I got to, oh, uh, Sandy and I had a problem one day uh, on um, uh, the 10 o'clock service. I was praying, and all of a sudden, did you see that, Stacy? All of a sudden, I left. Did you guys all know that? Yeah, I got so excited about being in the presence of God. Somehow, I, I, I left, and <laughs> Jenna, I came back, and I said, Oh, sorry about that, guys. I don't know where I went. But it was in the presence of God, and, and that's what I'm thinking. Oh, I could do that. You know, I should be praying, Lord, let me have that, let me leave you, let me leave you guys for an hour and just be with him. I mean, I was caught up in the spirit. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, what the heck? And then I came back and I said, oh, I thought, my goodness, I, I just left everybody, you know. Uh, I couldn't believe it. And my hair messed up. 
We think, we think um, unfortunately, we think uh, change involves trying harder. We try harder and harder to change things. You know, we do that with our New Year's resolutions. We're going to change and, and do all this stuff. Um, it lasts a couple weeks, you know. We, we think that if we try harder, maybe, maybe, maybe literally if I change my, my appearance, maybe I should change all my clothes, you know. Um, uh, maybe I should lose some... Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> change, yeah, change. We, we want to do uh, things on the outside when we should be focusing on the inside. Change doesn't involve so much the externals that helps us do this thing that Easter is talking about. It's the internal that we should be worried about, our hearts, to make sure that we're not the the outsiders, that we're not the outsiders, that we're the insiders with God. That's what I want to share with you today. How do we do that? How do we have that on this Easter Sunday where uh, that literally changes everything? Well, I'm going to give you three options. I think there's a whole lot more, but let me give you three. The first thing I think we need to do if we're going to change internally and really uh, understand what Easter does for us is that we need to open our minds to God's power. We need to open our minds to God's power. We don't do that as Christians. We don't do that as anybody, but especially as people who are followers of Christ, we don't use it. It's like... It's like my MacBook, uh, I, I, iMac 27, whatever it is, computer at home. I have this huge computer with all these possibilities, and I use about 10% of it. You understand what I mean? If anybody's using over 25% of their computer capacity, of the ability that they can use, you're a genius. You know what I'm saying? It's just impossible to you to really digest everything you can do. I'm just learning about my iPhone. And I've had it forever. <laughs> Stupid thing. Isn't that the truth? You know, it'll tell you when to do things and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, holy cow, I've needed this. I would have been there at 8 o'clock instead of 9. <laughs> we, think, we think that if we just change the outside, things will change. But God wants us to open up our mind to his power. And, and I, I'm telling you, most people think that they're open-minded, especially about Christians. They think they're open-minded. But I want to tell you what, Christians are the most closed-minded people I've ever met. And I can say that because I'm one of the idiots. Amen? You know what I'm saying? I, I, have, I, I have probably counseled hundreds, if not thousands of people that have their lives in shambles have their lives in shambles, and the minute I start talking about, what well, did you ever take this to prayer and ask God to intercede and to help you change your attitude? As soon as I do that, you know, they, they go closed-minded. No, I, I can do this. I had a couple, and I didn't know them. They had been referred to come to me because I was the guru of doing all this stuff. So they came to me, two meetings. Two meetings, and the first meeting I could see that they physically and mentally and spiritually beat each other up. And so at the end of the first meeting, I said, did you guys ever take this to God? Did you ever say, God, you need to fix our relationship and help us change ourselves? And and both of them looked at me and said, you're nuts. Literally, they said, "You, you know, we need your help. We don't need any theological 
Christian stuff. I said, oh, okay. You're in the wrong place. So they came back the second time. And, and they went through the whole rigmarole again. And they, I said, gosh, guys, you know, you need to get your heart right with Christ if you're going to fix your relationship. So the third meeting, because I was nuts. They, they thought I was the dumbest guy since peanut butter, you know. So, so they called me on the third meeting. I was waiting for them to come. They called me and they said, we're not coming. We need to go to somebody else. Do you know somebody that won't bring religion into this? And I said, yeah, I know a couple people in Canton that will help you immensely. But you're going to hear the same thing. You need to change, friends. Uh, we, are, we are so stubborn, uh, closed-minded people. I had a dear brother, a dear brother that I loved immensely, and his family was in chaos. He was uh, having a lot of problems. He was part of, I guess, most of the, the anxiety that was going on. He was the igniter of it all. And, um, and I said to him one time, I said, you know, you need to, you really need to take this to prayer. And he came back with me. He came back to me and he said, well, God says he's going to only help those who help themselves. And I looked at him and I said, you're an idiot. <laughs> we were that good friends. I said, you're an idiot. God didn't say that. And he said, yes, he did. And I said, no, he didn't. Benjamin Franklin did. Amen? God didn't say that. You know what God says? God says, come to me and I will help you. Come to me and I will make your burden light. Come to me and I will, I will be there for you. I will help you through this valley. Come to me. I'll do all that you need to have happen in your lives if you'll just surrender to me and open your mind to my power. My goodness. Oh, that's insane. You're a nutcase when you say that. You know what? You're crazy because I can do this myself and that's our open-minded opinions of everything. We close our minds to Christ. And I think the reason we do that, in all honesty, is because we've been hurt so much. We, especially in the church, you know. We have, we, have, we have this Bible study that we're doing on Wednesday night on Zoom. And i got to tell you, there's 16 people that get on there every Wednesday. It's just a powerful thing. Because you can get on that Bible study and say anything. And nobody in that study is going to say you're an idiot. Amen, Colleen? Yeah, nobody's going to say that. They're, we're all so open to everybody, aren't we? Joan, Gene, uh, it's just amazing, isn't it? Barb, we're concerned for Fred, but other than that, it's okay. <laughs> Fred brings up some in-depth questions, I'll tell you. But the good thing of it is, is nobody's there to hurt anybody. I think the problem that we don't want to take these things to God is because most of the time we've been hurt in the church. People have told us things that's just not really true. Not only that, but, but um, pride causes us not to have an open mind. I can take care of this myself. I don't need God to intervene. I don't need him. I can, I can handle it. And then the worst thing, I think, is, is um, fear. Fear that... It's, a, it's the reason a lot of people don't like to change especially going from not knowing Christ to being in Christ, is because you know what's going to happen? You're going to become a religious nutcase. I'm not a religious nutcase. I went way past that. I've escaped three mental institutions. 
Listen to what God says to us. He says, I pray, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great my power is to help anyone who would believe in me. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. In Ephesians chapter 1. That same power that raised Christ to death, uh, from the dead um, can raise a dead marriage, can raise a dead place at work, can raise, oh my goodness, a dream that you thought could never come about. That can be raised again. I, I want you to know if we opened our minds to God's power, we would find out that we can do anything with God in our, in our, in our heart. Amen? With God, nothing is impossible, and we don't grab a hold of it. I pray that you understand how great His power is. If nothing else, if nothing else, I pray that for you as, as a church here in this community, that we learn that we need to open our minds to God and accept His power. That's the first way I think we, we can find change in our life. Another way is to open our heart to God's grace. Now, I know we have a hard time understanding that. Opening up our heart to His grace and saying, I, 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 want, I want you to be a part of my life. Grace is a multifaceted word, isn't it? Grace, uh, grace is when God gives us what we need instead of what we deserve. That's the best uh, definition of grace. Grace is when God forgives us even before we know we need it. Hmm? Grace is when God says, come on home, I've been waiting for you. I've got the lights on, the party's ready. Grace is when God says that. Grace is when God forgives you and forgives me and gives us a second chance and a third chance and for my case, the thousandth chance. I'm telling you, grace is the power that gives you the ability to change your life that we can't do on our own. Cannot do it on our own. We all need grace. And the trouble of it is, is, is when we talk about this, we know that we don't get grace here together. As, as following, follow, followers of Christ, most churches, do you know what's missing in everything that's going on in the congregation? Grace. Grace. Do you know what I mean? Somebody said something, I don't like it. They can kiss off. See you later. Sue says new prayers, you know, even if we don't agree with them, it still doesn't matter. We should share grace. Grace is a difficult thing. I remember reading, I think it was um, Bill Hybels was talking about uh, one of his members, a, a David, who was a, you ready Jeff? He was an umpire. He was an umpire, and it was out in, in uh, Montana or someplace in the middle of winter, and he was driving down the road, and he knew he was going way too fast because of the snow and everything, but he was in a hurry, and so this cop pulled him over. This cop pulled him over, and, and this David begged for him to not give him a ticket. He said, usually I'm a very good driver, but I was just in a hurry. He, and he, he pleaded with the guy. And finally the guy said, well, that's your tough luck. And the guy, even David said, can I have some grace? And the guy said, no grace. <laughs> you're getting a ticket. Said, and then the guy said to him, if you want to contest this, you're more than willing, more than able to do it if you want to contest it. And that's how he left him. So he's umpiring his first game. It was in Detroit. He was umpiring his first game. Not Detroit, Chicago. He was umpiring his first game, and guess who came up to bat? 
that policeman. That policeman came up the bat, and he was watching the, the policeman. They talked to each other, and the policeman recognized him, and he recognized the policeman. And the policeman, finally, when he was getting up to ready to bat, he said, oh, by the way, how did your protest of the ticket go? And the guy looked at him, and he said, not well. I would swing at everything. No grace, no grace. Amen? And all we're trying to find in this world is grace. Too many of us are like that. Uh, Listen to this. God has showered. It's in Ephesians chapter 1. He has showered upon us the riches of his grace, for he understands and knows what is best for us. My goodness. He knows and understands what's best for us. I'm convinced that I understand and know what's best for Phyllis Ann. I know what's best for her. So one day me and the kids were talking. It was time for her birthday, and they were about 16 at the time. And we said, why don't we get mom, because she was working full-time, why don't we get her a gift of a maid service? Doesn't that sound good? Wouldn't you like to have a maid service for a gift? Anybody? Would you like to have it? No, you wouldn't. Guys, guys, anybody that raised their hand, don't get them a maid service, whatever you do. Because you know what happens when you get a maid service? I mean, I was giving Philip, we were giving Phyllis Ann the greatest gift we thought we could give her. But what happened was on Monday and Tuesday, she came once a month on Wednesday. Monday and Tuesday, we worked our butt off. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I said, honey, she's coming to do what we're doing. I don't want her to see our house in a mess. I don't, I'm saying. I thought, where's the grace in this? We did so much for you. Accept it. Well, she only came two months. We couldn't take it. <laughs> you guys all with me? You know, that's the way it is, isn't it? We want to clean things up. That's what we want to do with God, too, isn't it? We can't come to God until I get this mess of my life cleaned up. The dumbest thing in the world. God says, I want you to come the way you are. Well, as soon as... <laughs> As soon as I get done with this stupid thing that I'm doing, I'll come. Mm. God doesn't want that. The biggest thing people say to me is, once I get my act together, I'll be there. Well, guess what? You know, it's like saying, when we have enough money, we'll have a family. (laughs) Yeah, when's that going to happen, eh? Never. When are you going to get your act together? Never. And Satan says, I got you right where I want you. Just keep thinking you have to be right to get where you need to be. God doesn't do that. He wants us to come. God says he will accept us. Listen to this. Acquit us. Declare us not guilty for all the things that we've done wrong in life. Now listen to this. If we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sin, and we can all be saved in this way by coming to Christ. Now listen to this last thought. No matter what or who we are or what we've been or what we've done, God doesn't care. He comes to us and says, I want you to be here. And we all need God's grace, don't we? I've blown it. And everybody in here can say that. I'll say it for you. You've blown it. (laughs) In case you didn't know it, you've blown it. We've all blown it and we all need... God's grace. He says to us, I want to erase all that guilt that you're holding on to. 
I want to wipe it all out. I want you to have a clean slate. Never be ashamed to come to me. My goodness. How do we do that? Well, I got to tell you, you've heard it. You can't earn grace. You can never deserve grace. You can't buy grace. Grace is nothing more than that. What is it? Free gift that comes to us through Easter Sunday. God gave grace to the humble. So we need to say a quiet yes. Yes, God. Thank you for that. Mm. We need to open our minds. We need to open our hearts to God's grace and open our minds to his power. Let me give you another one. One more. We'll be done. We need to open our life to God's love. Nothing else. I think that's the... I think we have to do all of them, but without this one, we can't do any of them. Anything that you would try to do, we can't do it unless we open our life to God's love. His love that's unconditional. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, I think it's verse 17, he says, I pray that Christ will live in you. Now listen to this word. As you open the door. You all get that? As you open the door. He's talking about our life, opening the door of our life and invite him in, then you will be able to feel and understand how long, how wide and how deep and how high his love really is and be able to experience that love for yourselves. Only when we open up, you know, he's, he's pounding on the door. He's pounding on the door constantly, uh, Revelation 3.20. He's pounding on the door of our hearts saying, please let me in. And he can't come in until somebody opens the door inside. And that's what he's saying there. As you open the door of your life, I want to come in. I want to come in so that you can understand fully how I love you. Now, uh, I think a lot of us think we have opened the door, but we haven't. We've only opened the door up here. We know about Christ. But he's talking about that we need to know Christ down here in our hearts. When we turn our life over to God's, Love, everything changes. Uh, it's a, have you ever heard of Tony Campolo? Great theologian, writer, um, tremendous guy. Um, tells a story of a young girl, Jenny. And it's one of those stories of, um, um, what was that Tony Orlando song? Do you remember uh, about the, rose, uh, the ribbon? Tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. This is one of those stories about how God loves us and how things change. Jenny was a young girl, 14 years old, left her dad one night, said, I hate you, I don't ever want to see you again, left him and went on the streets in a faraway city. She got a bus and took off. 14 years old. Fell in to the people who love 14-year-old runaways, became a prostitute and a drug addict, and one day she woke up and said, I just need to go home. So she tried to call her parents, you know, Tried to call her parents, and, and she tried three times and couldn't get them. And the third time, she left a message. And she said to him, um, I'm coming home. I'll be at the bus station tomorrow night at midnight. If you want to see me, you, you be there. If you don't, I'll just keep on going. And she bought a ticket to Canada. So she got closer and closer. She said, nobody's going to be there at all. You know, she's only, I think, 16 or 17 at this point. Her life is shambles and she says I doubt if anybody will be there if nobody's there I'm just going to get right back on the bus and keep on going it's not a problem 
She got there and she got off the bus. The bus driver said, you got 15 minutes, that's it. We're only stopping 15 minutes. If you're not back home, we're, we're leaving. So she got off and walked into the bus terminal, you know, and she said there was probably around 40 or 50 people there with a great big sign that said, welcome home. And out of the midst of that came her father. And he came up to her and she said, oh, dad, I'm so sorry I've done all this stuff. And he said, hey, don't apologize right now. We got to go. There's a party waiting at home for you to come. There's more people there. That's exactly the way God does with us, isn't it? It's that Luke 15 thing, you know, with the, the lost sheep and the lost son and the lost dime, you know. God is waiting for us to do nothing more than open the door and say, I'm sorry, Dad. And you know what he's going to say when we say that? What we think he's going to say is, okay, that's okay. I remember what you did in Okinawa, you know. He's going to say, oh, I remember what you did in Vietnam. He's, that's what we think he's going to say. He's going to say, oh, I remember when you were in Laos. I know what you did over there. Uh, uh, you know what I mean, Paul? He's going to say, I know what you did. That's what we think he's going to do, and he doesn't. You know what he says? Oh, don't, you don't have to apologize now. Come on, there's a big party, and you're the guest. That's what God wants us to do, turn our lives over to his love and say to him, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I, I'm going to tell you, the reality of it is, is you and I were made for God. Until we understand that, nothing in this life makes sense. We will always be an outsider, a religious outsider. We were made for God to have this relationship that is so powerful because of it of Easter resurrection. And until we understand that, nothing will ever make sense. I hope you do what this verse says, that you'll throw open the doors. Throw open the doors and let Easter change everything. Literally, my friends, Jesus has had his arms wide open, ready for you to come in. He's been trying to get our attention. Easter does the very thing that you and I want in our lives to start over gives us power to keep on going and gives us power to do the change that God wants us to have in our lives I want to share with you this Easter is really not about all the hoopla it's not my friends it's personal it's intimate and it's eternal internal in our lives until we understand that we will be an outsider trying to get in and he says, you don't have to try. Open up your heart and come. Come into my presence. I'm waiting. Let's have a party. Amen? Easter Sunday, guess what it does? It changes everything. If you let it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Fathers, we said here this morning in this beautiful sanctuary, set at home, set out in the parking lot, wherever we're at, even for the people that will watch us later, we just come to you in our hearts right now and tell you that we want to have Easter to change our hearts. We want a fresh start. We're trying to change everything. We don't want to be the same. I know in this 
servant's life anyways. There's a lot of changes that always need to be made. So I just assume, Lord God, that in all of our lives there's things that we need to change. So help us today as much as we know how to open up our minds to your power, to open our heart to your grace, and to open up our lives to your love. And we start that by thanking you. Thank you for loving even me. Thank you for forgiving me. We don't understand it all. But I thank you right now for sending your son to die on that cross and to rise again from that grave just for me. Help me to take that into my heart and become an insider. Jesus, as best as I can, if you want to say this with me, as best as I can, I want to open my life to you and to your love and to your grace and to your power. I want to know you as my Savior. From this moment on, help me to live as an insider, being in Christ today. Help me to believe that Easter changes everything because of your great love. We pray this today in the Holy Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's children said, Amen. My goodness. Praise God. Wow. Let's stand and sing together my prayer.